Good morning, everyone. Give me just a little minute here for some schlepping. Or is it schlepping? Schlepping? Okay. So there's that. And we've had uh, a lot of great ministry already this morning. And uh, God is good, hey? This local church is involved in some very, very cool outreach things. And we're not only involved in outreach things, we're involved in some in-reach things, you know, some of our home groups and uh, just a lot of great things, a lot of great ministry. And just a, a moment before I get going, so I want to, you know, the, the prophecies that we had this morning during worship, so there was, you know, a lot, a lot said there, and I'm going to just, you know, rather than try to reiterate it, which would be difficult, I'm going to just trust in the Lord our God to sort of illuminate the things and underscore the things that, you know, you need and that you need and and so on like that. And you might see some of those themes even come out in the Word this morning. So, okay, well, you know what, I'm going to just, oh, so I'll get my first prop out here. So I'm not going to lie, I know that a lot of us are interested in this today. So I know the game starts at noon. Trust me, you'll get out on time. You'll have plenty of time to get home and get, get the game going. So I'm just going to ask if you kind of put that aside and listen to me for a few minutes. <laughs> and then we're all going to get to enjoy the game if that's what we like doing there. So uh, let's pray, and then I'll kind of start to get into some of the stuff here, okay? So bow your heads and join with me. Amen. So Father in heaven, we just uh, exalt you this morning. And Holy Spirit, we look to you for your illumination and uh, just the the truths that we need to grasp a hold of, get our minds wrapped around. God, I ask that you are glorified in this word this morning and in just the fellowship that we have here as a church family. We covet your presence. We celebrate your presence, Lord. And it's all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to be looking at uh, some verses, only a handful of verses out of 2 Timothy this morning. And this is a letter, a direct letter of communication of, from Paul to Timothy. And yet we know it's the Word of God, right? So we know it's a communication from the Lord to the reader. And in that case, it's, it's us this morning, right? And uh, as we go through the verses this morning, I want to put a couple of ideas in your heads to be thinking about, to be half floating around up in there while we're going through the Scriptures, okay? So ask, to your, ask yourself why and what. So as we read each verse, you know, uh, why does it say that? And what does this say to me? And uh, it's, it's a great way to approach the scriptures, even on a daily basis, when you're having your, your morning devotion time, or uh, even when we're singing, you know, really scriptural-based songs, you know, just to go into it sort of with an inquisitive mind. And uh, I believe that God honors that. In fact, that the, even that's a scriptural principle, the Bible says, you have not because you ask not. So let's go into these verses asking, you know, what's in it for me today? What's in it for us as a local church, a church family? Okay, so I have a, uh, another little prop here. I guess I'll put down a couple more thoughts before we get going on the scriptures. So I've got a couple of pairs of shoes here. So what's a, a common uh, expression about wearing shoes? What? If the shoe fits, wear it. That's not the one I had in mind. 
Walk a mile in my shoes. There we go. So these would be Paul's shoes, a little more old school. Of course, Paul's an older guy. He's got orthotics. Okay. So Timothy, younger, a little more athletic, a little more capable. So walk a mile in my shoes. You know, what is that saying? That's saying, think about things from my perspective, right? So we're reading in 2 Timothy. We have, we have Paul, and we have this writing to Timothy. So I think we could all appreciate these scriptures as a Timothy because we know that this is the word of God to us. But some of you can think about these scriptures as from Paul's perspective, someone who is offering instruction and endeavoring to motivate someone else, maybe even lead someone else. Right? So if that's you, if that's your position in life, whether it be maybe at your workplace or in your school, uh, maybe even a role that you, that you uh, play here in church, uh, think about these scriptures from that perspective and uh, allow God to show you how you can maybe motivate and minister to others, okay? And okay, so I'm going to just read a quick introduction that was in one of my resources that kind of talks about uh, 2 Timothy in its entirety. It just says Paul's second letter to Timothy consists largely of personal advice to Timothy as a younger colleague and assistant, and that's kind of important, those two things right there. Timothy is advised and encouraged to keep on witnessing faithfully to Jesus Christ, to hold to the true teachings of the Bible, and to fulfill his ministry all in the face of suffering and opposition. So it just, just kind of like helps our brain receive some of these words that come out. This obviously is a, kind of a different context than maybe some Old Testament readings, different than the Gospels. So that just gives us a little bit of perspective. And then one last thought uh, for consideration before we actually start reading. Paul and Timothy, so their relationship. I'm going to just say there's like three aspects, three dimensions to their relationship. So father-son, Paul refers to Timothy as his son, sort of in the Lord. And, you know, a lot of times we just kind of read these scriptures, we just pass by so much of this stuff. It's good to slow down, again, asking why and what. Um, there's a, some real significance to that dimension of how they know each other. Um, also, there's a mentor relationship there. Paul, you know, as someone who's been down some paths in life that Timothy hadn't, he's sharing and offering advice. You know, I did it this way. Here's what went right. Here's what didn't go right. Maybe you can do better. You know, so there's some mentoring going on. And also that of a co-laborer. They shared the work in the ministry also, even though they were of different ages and they knew the Lord at different times. So father-son relationship, mentor relationship, what was the last one? Co-laborer. Okay. Let's see if this is working. Okay, so read with me. We're going to read 2 Timothy, the first chapter, just the first seven verses. That's all we're talking about this morning. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved, he means his dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. So in the beginning here, in his first four verses, he sort of starts weaving together two ideas. And we see this a lot in Paul's 
writings, whether to individual, to the churches, and uh, the, these ideas of uh, establishing his authority as an apostle. You know, Paul, by the time he does these writings, he's got quite a track record. He's been through a lot with the Lord. He's attained a lot of wisdom, a lot of insight to the Lord. So uh, he never backs down from, you know, sharing about that. And then he draws on his personal relationship and his affection for Timothy. It's kind of real interesting there. Okay, so Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, and then to Timothy, my beloved son. Then he says, I serve God with a clear conscience, and then I constantly remember you in my prayers, and I'm longing to see you. So why does it say that? Okay, what, what is this saying to me? What is this saying to you this morning? What are you hearing out of that? Why start a letter this way? Why draw on your authority? I'm this, but I really care for you. And, uh, you, know, you know, the advice and the exhortation, the instruction is to follow. Why would Paul take a moment to do that? So maybe it was common greeting for the day. Maybe it was just common the way you would write a letter in the day. I believe there's a little more to it. I think it's because Paul wants Timothy to really hear what he has to say. He wants them to listen. He wants them to really dial in and listen and take it to heart and receive the full benefit. When we know that someone of great importance who genuinely cares about us, we would typically pay more attention to what they have to say. Isn't that true? Uh, who, you know, just think of who that person might be in your life. So uh, maybe a Sunday school teacher in the past. Uh, could be a co-worker, maybe even a, a superior at work. Hopefully somebody within the church family, possibly your home group leader or a fellow home group member even. Uh, I know early on to this time, of course, Pastor Frank speaking into my life. So when that, we know that that person cares and we esteem them as a person of great importance, we listen better. So, with that, you know, let's just take another little pit stop here. With that understanding, that that concept in our mind, let's just take a moment to consider and comprehend, if we can, look at some familiar scriptures on just how much the Lord our God cares for us. And, you know, even because of familiarity, we can kind of skip over this and not receive the full benefit uh, of what some of these scriptures say, okay? So God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That thing that was most precious to our father, he gave because of his care for us. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And how great is the love of the father that has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And actually, this word lavish, and I was talking to Andy a little bit before, last week in home group, we talked about this word. It was in a similar scripture that we're looking at and kind of an interesting concept. And that word lavish, it actually means a total expenditure of the giving, like it was all given. And, you know, we sing the song, Jesus gave it all. He paid it all. So the love of God, that's how much he cares for us, that he lavished his love upon us, gave all that he had to give for us. So it's great to kind of think about that, but the reason to think about it isn't just to get the warm and fuzzies and to feel good, that's okay, but to dwell upon the love of God and grasp it to solicit a response, a following 
on our part, a willingness and a desire to follow our Lord. So Paul reestablishes his authority and ministry as an apostle in the body of Christ and as Timothy's apostle, and he expresses care and affection towards Timothy. And then he sort of introduces a third strand into this rope here leading into his instruction, and he actually just sort of recognizes Timothy's faith. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you. He talks about his mom and his grandma. He knows he comes from a family, a legacy, a heritage of faith of following the Lord. And he says, I am sure that it is in you as well. Okay, so it seems obvious that this would be here when we read the next, word, next verse because Paul, you know, immediately leverages this with an instruction coming up. Uh, but there's more to it than that. Okay, so remember in the beginning we talked about the three dimensions to their relationship between Paul and Timothy, right? So what were those three? What was the first one? Father, son. The second one was as a mentor and also as a a co-laborer, right? So, and even that father, someone, you know, the scriptures don't say a lot about Timothy's father. Yet in this letter, Paul recognizes his mom and his grandma. So, you know, we don't know for sure, but it's reasonable to think it's very possible that Timothy's natural dad didn't have a big godly influence in his life. And so how much greater is that father-son relationship between Paul and Timothy? So Paul just really looked up, uh, Timothy really looked up to Paul in that dimension of their relationship. High respect, high esteem. You wanted to emulate him and be like him. So if I'm a Timothy, whoa, and I hear my father and the Lord refer to my faith in that way, if I look to my mentor and he recognizes that in me, if, uh, if I am complimented and commended for my faith within the camaraderie of a fellow soldier in the army of God, what does that do to me as a Timothy? I get encouraged, I'm strengthened, and I am highly motivated to respond to that instruction. I think Paul is further motivating Timothy to really dial in and listen to what he has to say and respond. So we go to verse 6 then. For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So we'll look at this one particular verse. We'll kind of back into it and kind of try to peel back a couple of layers real quick so that, you know, we can get the full benefit. All right, so at the end, the last part of the verse, through the laying on of my hands, Paul, again, drawing upon his relationship with Timothy. He's adding weight and urgency to the instruction in this verse. It's not just to anybody. This is through me to you, Timothy. Remember, I laid hands on you. The gift of God which is in you. Paul saying to Timothy, your ministry, your calling, your works of service, the grace of God in your life, the ministry you were commissioned to through my prayer and laying hands on you. And kindle afresh. Okay, other versions say stir up the gift or fan in the flames. So the illustration here is that the gift of God, Timothy's ministry, is likened unto a fire. So... When I, you know, think of the time, this was they didn't have natural gas furnaces in the homes and so on. So a fire was a very common form of energy, right? So it was probably for heat, for cooking. Uh, So Paul is using something that Timothy daily relates to for this instruction. And we know a fire is not self-sustaining. It's not like we flip on the furnace and it's going to just keep going until we turn down the thermostat, right? 
So what does a fire need? It needs maintaining. It needs extra fuel. It needs management. So it is, or so it was with Timothy's ministry, and I would say so it is with your ministry today and with mine. God has called us to ministry, to works of service, and there is gifting and equipping for that ministry, but it doesn't come in its end form. It doesn't come as the finished product. The grace is there, but it has to be nurtured and developed and matured and used and utilized. And where it says, kindle afresh, that word there is actually using, uh, it, it's talking about kindling a fire uh, by using one of these, which is a, a bellows, right? Again, Paul using something that was very, very common in the time. Nowadays, these are mostly decorative. Uh, very few people actually use these. Some people that use them put them too far into the fire before, you know, okay? So think about using a bellows to kindle a fire. Man, I had so much I was going to do with this, but now I'm going to like be, okay, so, right? So you got to be intentional about it, right? The, the air gets funneled through, you know, the energy gets funneled through this little opening right here. There's a pointing. There's a seeing the need, the fire needs, right? So... Kindle afresh your ministry. So how does that speak to you? So maybe you are a Sunday school teacher. So kindle afresh your ministry. Work on your ministry. Read articles. Talk to the Sunday school coordinator. Share what works and what doesn't work. It might be an usher standing back there looking goofy with a bow tie. All right? Maybe you're in the sound ministry or the other parts of our worship ministry, media back there. So reading articles, going to seminars. How does another church do it that does it better to us? Kindle afresh that ministry. Mature it, develop it, grow it. And then what does that speak to us as a church family? Right? God has a very unique ministry call on Grace Christian Fellowship, do we not? Heard a little bit about it before with the service for Hashanah tonight. We have a very unique relationship with the Messianic community. Not many churches have that. We're really a kind of an interesting hybrid there. So how can we further that relationship? How can we make that part of reaching our community, the Jewish community? How can we do that better? How can we do our home groups better? And so on, and so on. So that concept, that Kindle Afresh concept is, uh, I'm losing track of my notes here, but We just need to stoke the fires of our ministry, of the calling of God in our life. They won't just continue on. We have to work on them and develop them. I'll just say that's a simple reality that we all need to acknowledge sooner or later. I need to work on my ministry. Try to improve it. We have to learn that. We have to embrace it. Get it into our minds. And then from time to time, we need to be reminded of it. And that's what Paul is doing here with Timothy when he says, I remind you to kindle afresh your ministry. We know that, but, you know, life can get full. We can have children. We can have repairs in the church 
That can be pretty consuming. We can see that shiny thing. So we need to be reminded to kindle afresh that ministry. Very, very important. So having said all that, what happens when you step out and you really try to serve God hard? What happens when you go gangbusters for God? Come on, give me some shout-outs. What happens? Rejection. What else? Persecution. What else? Uplifting so far. What else? I'm going to do everything I can for God. Nothing's stopping me. What else happens? God shows up. Well, that's later. That's my... Right? So we can experience opposition and trials. And I think Paul recognizes that with Timothy. And certainly Paul went through his share of opposition. He really knows what he's talking about here. And what happens? Okay, so we go camping. I go swimming in a lake, and I come out, and I got swimmer's itch. Okay, so I don't want to go swimming in that lake no more. Right? So I do that thing for God, and I get that opposition. That just feels really yucky. I thought serving God wasn't going to be like this. That was not fun. So what's our natural tendency? We kind of want to shrink back, get a little hesitant. Nothing to do under the sun, nothing even to be ashamed of. I'm going to say I think it's a, it's a normal reaction. And that's why God speaks to it, Paul to Timothy, when he says, I have not given you a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and discipline. So that word timidity, right, the context here is right after he's giving him instruction on stoking the fires of his ministry. Move forward, right? The word there actually means being timid. Some of the versions say uh, a spirit of fearfulness. Um, it actually means frightened out of your senses, where you're so fearful, you like lose control, lose focus. So you might say, well, okay, I thought I was supposed to fear God, right? We totally are supposed to fear God, reverence God, be afraid, be terrified of the living God. But that's not the context here. Paul's giving him instruction for ministry. And he knows that as he steps out in faith to do the work of the Lord, there's going to be that opposition and those things that will want to make him shrink back. And we all experience those things. And that's when we can become timid. So we are to fear God, yet we are to serve him boldly. Uh, no, No slides for this, but a couple of scriptures here about boldness. Serving God that way. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John he perceived, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. This is Acts chapter 4. Now, Lord, consider their hearts and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. That's how we're to serve the Lord. That's how we're to share the gospel. Not being timid. For God has given us a spirit of power. Is that underlined? I can't tell. Okay. The word there actually meaning the ability to act and produce an effect and to have authority. That's the kind of power that God has given us for ministry. This means that when we feel to shrink back from the work of the Lord, we need to to remember that God has given us the ability and the authority for that ministry and that work that he's called us to doesn't always feel that way, but that's a promise of God right in the scriptures for us. He has given us a spirit of power and a spirit of love. 
And I've got a really cool definition. This is from the MEH dictionary. So love, caring for people despite personal hardship. Easier said than done. There again, God enables us. He's given us the capacity to love that way while we're in ministry, when we're in outreach to neighborhood schools, when we're in home group fellowshipping or leading a home group. And he's given us a spirit of discipline. Other versions say a sound mind or self-discipline. And we're talking common sense and self-control here. That's what it is. Actually, the Amplified in verse 7 says this part really well. There we go. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but the power, but of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. So, what's, why are these scriptures saying this, right? And what's God saying to you? What's he saying to us as a church family this morning? That's 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 7. A lot of great messages in there. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit illuminates them to all of us to fall more in line with what he would have us to be doing. Paul says to Timothy, the Lord says to us, I care for you so very much. Please listen to me. I care for you. And I'm reminding you today to kindle afresh your ministry. Work on your ministry. Develop it. And mateship, I exhort you to find that place of ministry. Grab an oar and help row. And when you feel timid, to serve me boldly, says the Lord to us all this morning. Good stuff. So what we're going to do is, as we close, I want to read the scripture in its entirety. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes and just listen as I read this in its entirety. Amen. 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 7. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved, dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers, night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure it is in you as well. For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. So, Father in heaven, we look forward to serving you with boldness as individuals and also as a church family, Grace Christian Fellowship. Thank you for your great love. God, we simply honor you for that. And we ask that you enlighten us to the totality of that. May we never look past it or wink at it due to familiarity or busyness or just lack of attention and proper focus on our part. But thank you for all that you've done and even are doing in our lives, Lord. 
and give us ears to hear and listen to your word through the scriptures daily as we seek you, God. And may we always remember when we feel like being shy or timid or afraid of stepping out in faith and serving you, that you have given us a spirit of power and love and self-control. God, we follow you with gladness and joy, even amidst difficulties and trials. And we ask your blessing. All to your glory of your magnificent name, Lord Jesus. Amen.